Welcome to the Studio Interviews. I'm your host, Diana Brown. Also with us at engineering this very episode is Dan Wilson. Dan, say hello. Hello. Now, listeners, in this show, we will be exposing you to the infernal charm of one Michael Rice. And if you're not uh, pink uh, to the uh, coolest uh, health theater uh, show, uh, uh, you have already listened in. It's Michael. And we quote from your website, Michael, lures his ill-fated guests into dangerous territory. Well, we don't know where today might lead us, but it is hecka cool having you here. Michael, welcome. <laughs> you said hecka cool. I did. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say hella because it's too close to who you are and what you do. I'm going to jump right in. I am appalled. Kathleen Turner snubbed you. Kathleen Turner snubbed me. Get out me. of Dodge. No, it was it was it was interesting. I went out there and it was like day 2. The first day I went out there, I got Bill Irwin. Second day I went I back. I was like, I'm going to get Kathleen Turner and I'm standing out there and I went early and she pulls up in a limo and I'm like, "Oh, okay, here it comes. Here Kathleen Turner, I'm Michael Rice from Cool as Hell. Can I do an interview?" Nope, nope. I'm on my way to work. Nope. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So I went out there. I tried. I tried to get her to talk, but she was just like, she wasn't trying to have it. You swang about about a swing, and she was having none of it. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't big time enough for it. So well, she's no. going to rue the day. <laughs> All right, Kathleen, I'm talking right at you. One day you're going to be like, can I just get in to see Michael Rice? It never, never pays. And I'm going to be like, nope, nope. I'm on my way to work. Nope, nope. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were indeed not snubbed by KQED because you are the new boy made good there. Tell us all about that. It's very exciting. Oh, man. KQED. Yeah, that that was a long time coming. I worked with a company called Audio Lux, um, and they... At the time, they had put together a, a podcasting seminar, and I signed up, and she worked for NPR, and so she liked Cool as Hell, and she was incubating some podcasts for KQED, um, and she presented it to them, and it took forever for them to come back and say, we want your show. So she presented like six or seven shows, and they ended up only taking one, and and when I found out that they were supposed to take three, but then they took one, and I was like, there's no way Cool as Hell is going to make it. And then she was like, Cool as Hell is in, and I'm like, that's definitely Cool as Hell. Um, now, for those of you listening that aren't familiar with uh, the Bay Area, uh, KQED is our public broadcasting station here, and they decided that Michael Rice was the coolest thing since peanut butter and snapped you up, like a hot cross bun. Now, you say a long time. How uh, how long was this process? Is it over a year? Or? Oh, not quite a year, but still cl- approaching there. Did you probably have a lot of false months. starts where it was like, oh, oh, no, not yet. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, the first time it was brought up to me, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she'd bring it up again, like, we're going through. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then, like, there'd be some little snafu, and I'd be like, okay. And by the sixth or seventh snafu, you know, I was like, I'd just actually given up. I just, you know, she would tell me news, and I'd let it go in. And la, 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 yeah. la. I mean, it's, it's like not, dating, basically. You give up, and then it happens. <laughs> But in dating, you so want something to happen. And I so wanted something to happen with KQED. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and, uh, you know, it kept getting like this. And I just decided I didn't want to have myself so susceptible to thinking I might get it. And there's continual delays. So I just kind of, I mean, I let the process go. But I myself just, I was like, I got to continue doing my own thing. Right. You put it on the back burner and just kept it going. Yeah. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. So where were you? when you got the word oh i was called into a meeting with Ooh, her yeah nice. 
Yeah, she she didn't tell me over the phone. Okay. Her name is, her name is Stacey. I should stop calling her her. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, and this is with Audio Lux. Yes. Okay. So she called you in for a meeting. Yeah. Did she keep you waiting? Kind of. I mean, she <laughs> said she had some good news, kind of. And we talked about some other business. And then she was like, got to tell you, KQED selected you. And I was just like, uh-huh. And. It took a long time to sink in. Because Did you kind of feel numb? I didn't feel anything, actually. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, and she, Stacy was like, are, are you excited? You like the RCA dog. Going, yeah, Hello? if you can see us now, our heads are cocked to the side like, what? <laughs> and I was, I, I just, I couldn't get excited because for so long I had decided that no I'm not going to fall for the false starts right so when she did tell me it was like I was I guess I was a little incredulous I was like well finally (laughs) but really okay and it wasn't actually till months later that actually started to sink in Uh. because even then it still took more after she told me it still took more time to get the ball rolling okay so the the ink wasn't dry as it were just yet yeah so now, what does this mean for you? What is this, how does this uh, open up the world to cool as hell? It means that anybody who is anybody in the theater world who comes through <laughs> needs to be on cool as hell. I don't know what it means. Um, Do you think it'll I'm, up your credibility factor? Like, is Kathleen Turner going to be chasing you up the street? Now, wait, Mike, I can go back. <laughs> well, I was already with KQED with Kathleen Turner. Oh. Um, so, no, she's not going to come chasing Missy me didn't back. didn't know that. Yeah, until, until one day. Um, but I actually, I don't know what it means. And I guess part of it is me defining what that means. But it's all so new. Sure. Um, I, I expected it, but I didn't. It came as a surprise. In a way. And but so, one you knew was coming. I think my general audience is is pretty excited. I got a lot of congratulatory emails. There's a lot of it. buzz about it. Yeah, so that's been really cool. Now, you're based out of the Bay Area, but you've interviewed folks from all over the country. Yes. Do you travel a great deal to do that, or do you get them when they come through town? Absolutely not. I do not travel to get them. (laughs) Are you Um, you using Skype? If if they come through town, yeah, I'll try to get them. If not, I have phone recording equipment called a digital hybrid that I call, which is... You know, a whole a whole another bowl of wax, but yeah, that's what I do. Um, I haven't traveled anywhere to interview anybody yet. Do you want to? Yes. Do you want to go on the big press junkets and? <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah, that would be that would be sweet. Um, yeah, you know, I have I have aspirations and dreams. I mean, probably the most immediate would be like L.A. just because that's you know doable. Right. But of course, and JetBlue you know, now flies there. JetBlue does. Not that I'm giving them a plug unless they want to give us some tickets. No, that's sweet. That See how you work me? Yeah. yeah. See, no, that's sweet. See, you, you plug Jet them first. Blue, we and want then, you. Exactly. You They're can email com- us at info <laughs> Now, Michael, you created Cash with the intention of helping the Bay Area theater scene to promote itself to a younger audience. Yes. That's a, a terrific thing to do. I know a lot of um, a lot of folks young and and not so young have gone this far in their lives and not even seen live theater so was there a a crystallizing moment when you went damn i gotta do this um yeah it's a long story you want me to make it short i'd like you to make it medium medium (laughs) (laughs) so i was trained as an actor i got out of grad school went to new york got there at bad time came back here and i was like i gotta do something and so 
I wrote a one-man show, and I promoted it in what I thought was a brilliant manner. So I used, uh, for web aficionados, a technology called Flash, right. which helps you develop interactive websites. And so I had a guy develop an interactive website highlighting you know, my show, and I put that on a disc, and I went around and I passed it out to everybody. I'm like, this is the bomb. You got to check this out. And I just knew, I knew at the bottom of my heart it was a brilliant idea because I was, I was absolutely fed up with the an antiquated method of postcards given to people as a way to promote theater because what do you really get from a postcard nothing from my cd you got so much more and i was and i passed them out i put them on cards and i passed them out and i actually <clears throat> performed it and opening night two people aside from my family showed up ouch i was devastated i was like i had this brilliant idea it's a great website and so after that i was just like there has to be a way to promote myself there has to be a way an efficient way and so for a month i was thinking and then my girl she was like why don't you write a blog and i was like oh, okay no 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 <laughs> no because i don't write that often i knew myself well enough that i was i knew i wasn't going to update my blog enough it just wasn't going to happen but I still, I did a little research on blog, and then back in 2005, I came across the term podcasting, and I didn't know what the hell it was, and that night, I think I spent like five or six hours researching what podcasting was, and I was like, I can market myself better. The next day, I was like, no, it's bigger than this. The whole community could benefit from the podcasting technology. So it went from trying to market myself to blossoming into how could I help the community. That's incredible. And I would say awesome. you're helping yourself in the process. Totally awesome. And cool as hell. Thank you. Thank you. As, <laughs> as I like to say. It is cool as hell. One of the things I really loved was on your website, you um, you know, you know, described what a podcast is and what po how podcasting works. And there was this amazing description that was you should write because this was really funny. It was, it was complete uh, science fiction about how the pod waves, uh, you become a giant <laughs> antenna. Do you want to, do you want to share that with our listeners a little bit? This was really oh, funny. I don't, uh, man, I wrote that so long ago, but I guess I was in a mood <laughs> where, where, you know, podcasting was, was still new and, you know, even today, you know, oh, yeah. a year or two later, people are like, podcasting, what is yeah, that? Yeah, Christopher DeYoung said, told us about uh, six months ago that there's only like 10% of the population that listens to podcasts. Or so. even yeah. knows what they are. Right. Yeah, I'm exactly. sure that number's gone up. But. Well, I, I, and, it, and, it, and it will continue to go up. Absolutely. <laughs> but I just, I just wanted... I just wanted a fun way to describe podcasting. So I was just being as stupid as I could. You know, it's like podcasting seems alien to people. So, yeah, podcasting is a form <laughs> of radio waves entering your brain sent by the pod daddy alien. You know, I don't know. I don't even remember exactly what I wrote. It's like you're creating your own church of the subgenius. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was my way to take something that people find alien and try to you know, make it understandable. Make it warm. Well, I also like that you um, you suggested a particular uh, a media player that people download. Uh, Jet Audio 6.2.2 Basic. Dang, I wrote, that, I wrote it that specific. You did. Because it's so updated now. Is it? Oh, yeah. But Do no, Jet Audio. No, I love that piece of software. And it's free. And it's free. Did they contact you and go, hey, Michael, thanks for... for uh, of course know. not. Jet Audio, get on the stick and thank this man. But that's two jet companies that you've mentioned. Uh, JetBlue 
That's true. I've got a, <laughs> audio. Oh my you goodness! Got, you're on a whole I have jet. a jet fixation yeah. going on here. Well, if you're a jet, you're a jet forever. <laughs> All the way. Let's don't start singing. Let's don't, because I am so not a singer. Well, I um, I'm very fond of your show, and you've talked to some amazing people. And uh, in your interview with uh, Robert Brewstein, you talked about. Uh, well, he talked about how the New York Times is the central arbiter of taste in New York and mm-hmm. thereby the nation. So would you, after having had that conversation <clears throat> with him, would you agree? Um, well, let's, let us let me make a clarification. Thank you. It wasn't him who said it was a central. Okay. Th- apparently, there was a, a dispute between a playwright named David Hare and an editor at the New York Times named Jill Abramson. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, he... This author, David Hare, didn't like the way he was being treated. And she was like, well, we don't have to do anything you want. We are the central arbiter of taste in New York. Whoa. Bruce Dean. Yeah, well, it's rumored. No, oh. I don't know for sure. It's rumored. This is Bruce, just smack talking yeah, Bruce Dean heard that and, of course, went off on that. <laughs> he was not appreciative of that. Um, and so he wrote an article not only based on that, but based on the way the New York Times also treated a theater in New York called Theater for a New Audience mm-hmm. and their production of uh, Oliver Twist, as well as a few others. Um, so, yeah, he went off on that quote, um, feeling that, you know, it's basically an imperialistic view that the New York Times has taken when they say that. Um, but I can't say that this editor actually said those words it's rumored to have happened it's rumor yeah and of course you know we don't know we all want to spread the rumors let's bring down the time (laughs) (laughs) well i will ask you a question being on the um cutting edge of uh the internet and of new media and a performer and an actor and i know you're also involved in in marketing you work with david perry and pr somewhat and and do podcasts for him do you do you feel that um, the Bay Area has a particular arbiter of taste or in, in a print vehicle? Man, you want to get me in trouble, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to create controversy. Uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Not so, really. Okay, so um, you in do. Terms, in terms of, of reviewing theater. Right. I mean, I think that's the one that everybody goes to and they want to see if the man is jumping out of his seat or not. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's that little uh, man. It's the little yeah. man. Love him or hate him. And what yeah. I found really interesting is the uh, reviewers don't designate the little man. The editor does once the review oh, comes in. I didn't know that. That's I didn't either. I, I learned that this year. Ooh, we all learned something. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I really don't want to create scandal here because I think the media needs to work together. I would like to see there be more media outlets in the Bay Area. Do you think we're ever going to abandon the print media? And do you think the Internet is going to gain that level of power? Well, print media, you mean like newspapers? newspapers. Because even the Internet is still print media in that they True. still have print there. And people print it right. out. Right. Um, it's a long time coming. Okay. Um, but as each generation comes up, they less and less use traditional media. Sure. And so I think at some point, you know, it it's going to be it's gonna be it's gonna it's 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 to me, it'll be sadly like theater is. Oh yes. The you know, everybody's going to movies now, everybody's running videos and we are in a dying art form, sadly. Uh and so 
I think I feel that way, and I think the people at the New York Times and the San Francisco Chronicle are feeling that way because they're struggling to try to keep their financials sure. where they used to be prior to all of this, you sure. know? And, and that's one of the things that Robert Brewstein brought up in his article is that, you know, years ago, the New York Times would have, you know, their calendar section about the arts with thought-provoking articles on the arts, and now he's like, all they talk about is like American Idol and which rapper has the most bling and stuff and like that, you know, <laughs> because they need to keep their financials up. Of course. So, I think it will. I just don't, I, I'm, 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 I'm not a seer and can say when. <laughs> Michael, yeah. we thought you were. No, well. I thought I was too. And then was rudely <laughs> but awakened. then you waited for KQED <laughs> for several months. That was a whole exactly. another ball game. Well, I'm actually really curious yes, to sir. talk about being a seer or whatever. I mean, you started this off as an actor. Yes. Looking at this. And now you've been talking with producers, directors, playwrights, actors, New York, California. How has your view of theater on a national sense changed? from all that you've learned and all the folks you've talked to over the last year or so? I still believe it's a dying art form. One view that uh, has just been solidified is that theater companies do not know how to market themselves. That's been my biggest eye-opening experience. Um, and. I think like one of the things that really, really opened my eyes to that is one time I was listening to a conversation on KQED, like the forum or something, and they had like a couple of prominent theater figures here in the Bay Area, and they had a discussion about a particular topic. At the end of that discussion, of course, they opened the phone lines. When the phone lines opened, there was a flood of people calling in. A ton of them were from the theater community, running a theater, actors and shows. And all they did when they got on the phone was start plugging their own show <laughs> instead, of, instead of talking about the conversation that happened. And it was so distasteful, in my opinion. And, and, when I, and I heard some of these people and who they were working with. And I'm like, there's no way I would go see that show after the selfishness that they showed on the phone lines. And I find that also in, in podcasting when people send me releases and stuff, they say things like, this is the greatest show and everybody needs to see it. And I know good <laughs> and well that that's BS because everybody doesn't need to see it and you need to know how to target your market. Um, I get a lot of that. Um, a lot of, I get a lot of general press releases. And so I find that when somebody does a little bit of personalization, I tend to take more notice of that. So be aware of what you like to cover or things you have covered and kind of pitch well, you with an angle. I think it's, sort. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people will come without ever having listened to a podcast and then they'll be like, well, what should I expect? And I want to <laughs> say, well, why don't you listen to one, damn it? You go home you know? and listen to me and but then, then we'll talk. That's when I make an extra concerted effort to come up with those tough questions that they <laughs> might have to face. You know? So, yeah. And I and I think I think another thing that I really notice is the, the, the community, the theater community, acting community, especially the theater community, is slow to adopt new technology. Not early adopters exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is because usually technology is expensive. But here is a service that's being offered free of charge to people. And um, that's, you know, it's they're not grabbing at the bit, which oh, I, I can't force them to. People. He's here. Contact him. I have something cool to say when you do. And more than just see my show. show so what does make you want to see a show? What is the, obviously a good personalized pitch, but. Well, see the show or do the interview? Do the interview, I mean. Uh, 
Um, sometimes it's personal interest, but usually the ones that make me want to do an interview are the ones who have a more personalized pitch to me. Okay. And um, it's not just the generalized uh, press release that is is going out. Also, what will really make me want to interview somebody is if they can tie their show into some recent or current event nice. that's going on. Um, and then that just gives us a lot to talk to. It gives the listening audience a way to get to know the interviewee in a different light. Sure. Um, so those those will get me right there. Nice. For sure. Very nice. Yeah. Michael, you are an actor as well as um, a director, my under, is my understanding, mm -hmm. yes? And a writer to a degree, yes? Because you wrote your own I wrote, I wrote, yeah, I was, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't consider myself a writer. I don't either. I'm, yeah. I'm just learning to write, and I have such respect for it. And I have no ego around it, which is crazy being an actor. I have so much ego around everything else. But I digress. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad you admit that because oh, yeah. so many actors don't want to say that. My head is quite big, too, when it comes to acting. It's not big when it comes to writing. No. It's kind of big when it comes to directing. But the biggest is acting. Yeah. But anyway, yes. But I love that you shared that. <laughs> now we can't get through the door. Dan, how big is your head? Yeah. Oh, um, someone told me I was very good at pretending to be a pompous asshole recently. So really? But I was actually joking at the time. But Did you let them know you really weren't? I, I told pretending. them that I was actually. A, a, oh. <laughs> I'm oh, so snaps. teasing you. Oh. <laughs> Go on. My my head's a grande, so it's kind of a medium medium uh, okay. Starbucks size size ego. That's a nice label, Grande. Grande. Well, for a ginger, you're all right. Oh. <laughs> since that, since that episode of South Park, we cannot stop calling Dan a ginger. And uh, I haven't seen that show in so long. Brilliant show, but I haven't seen it. In I long. have to say, I love it. I'm just gonna say it. The South Park rules. Of course, Family Guy sucks. But no, I'm kidding. I like Family Guy. If they were shown on JetBlue. Oh, yeah, tie it in. Go ahead. All right. So you created um, a one-man show, Soul Star. Is that correct? Yeah. Tell us about Soul Star, Michael. The one thing that it wasn't originally called Soul Star. And I don't know how you guys feel about language on your podcast. Well, we, we say a few bad words, but... Um, Language, uh, in what context? The name of my show. I'm not going to go off on a rant, but the original name of my show wasn't Soul Star. Oh, no? No. Okay, we don't have any you know, ratings or okay. FFAs looking and down. And feel free to put in a little bleep if you don't appreciate this. The original name of my one-man show was, was called Mindfuck. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I say that because I regret changing it to Soul Star. Um, but it was it was called that because it was basically a journey into my mind, exposing w events in my life that have kind of shaped who I am All loosely right. like that. And so in, in I had this idea for a year or so and trying to flesh it out was just like mentally taxing. Thus, the name delving in and trying to get it was in. for you. I'm yeah, exactly. Mind. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, but I. <laughs> How do you feel, Diane? Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not really. Go on. After talking to some people, uh, you know, about the name, I succumbed to people's opinion. No. And, yeah, and, and that was one artistic di 
decision that I regret. Um, but now it it it's called Soul Star. If you go to the website, it's Soul Star, um, and it's basically just a journey into my mind about the different characters and experiences in my life that, you know, I find quirky, funny, amusing, um, things like that. Is there one particular character that? Um resonates there's, the most with you? There's or? one particular character that resonates the most with me, but it doesn't resonate the most with audiences. Interesting. And I haven't found a way. There, that uh, There's one character that I resonate with, the audience doesn't, and there's one skit that the audience absolutely resonates with. I can't believe I said the word skit. I hate myself for that because <laughs> I hate that word. I have, a, a, I have an MFA in acting. I'm using the word skit. <laughs> Take an artistic shower after this. Yeah, so I I had an experience in New York where I was at a subway and there was a homeless guy, a bum, and he was like the most extreme where, you know, clothes were rat-a-tat-tattered, hair was just like this, teeth was like this, you know, all crooked and stuff. And, you know, he he rocked back and forth really hard and he Mm -hmm. mumbled. You know, you couldn't understand him. And as people were filing into the train, wow, I'm actually starting to do the show. Wow, I haven't done it in so long. <laughs> right on. They'll never be able to see it, but the interviewers are seeing my hand motion. So they get on the train and they, you know, go their separate ways and they'd see this bum sitting, you know, to their left and they'd absolutely avoid him. So, you know, there'd be people standing up and there'll be like six seats right around the bum <laughs> that nobody's going to take. And right. I finally get on the train and I, I see him and I sit right down in front of him. And he's rocking and mumbling, and I just look at him. And he looks at me, he looks down, and I just keep looking at him. But there was just this wanting to let him know that, yeah, I saw thousands of, thousands is an exaggeration, tens and tens and tens of people walk by you and not acknowledge you, but I know you're there, and I'm not going to not acknowledge you. And so for about 10 minutes, we had this silent conversation, him rocking and me just looking. And at times, uh, you know, I would have to keep telling myself, just look, just look, don't judge. Just look, just look, don't judge. Take a deep breath and just look openly and honestly. And after a while, you know, he kept making more and more contact with me, more and more eye contact. And eventually he got to the point where he just stopped rocking and he looked at me and he gave me a smile. Whoa. Then he started rocking again and he walked off. And it was just like, it, it, it was like a Jesus moment for me. I mean, I just felt, I, I can't describe that. But I couldn't, I don't have the skill yet to convey all of that to an audience. I tried. That's amazing. It's it like was, a, you're peeling away these layers of an onion. Every time you'd say, just look, just look, don't judge. And hey, you were that in touch with yourself. Exactly. And I'm sure you like felt that revulsion and fear and whatever we incredible. feel when we see these individuals. Yeah. And you just... The fact that you just sat with it and you were rewarded. It was incredible. It was it was the most incredible feeling I've ever had in regards to a relationship with a person, although it only lasted 10 minutes, but whew. Oh, a film with a voiceover. Uh, and then the one that the one that everybody identifies with is one time I had like some troubles like with a girlfriend or something and so I went to my car, I smoked some weed and I have water bottles in my car all the time and I, wanted, I had to go to the bathroom but I didn't want to go to the house or anything so I just peed in the <laughs> bottle and I set it down, turned on my music, was sitting and of course when you smoke weed eventually your mouth gets dry and you need some water and so I picked no. up the bottle. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> my car needed a cleaning after that because you know I couldn't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Michael. That's the one everybody likes. Um, I can see why, because everybody can relate with having done something very (laughs) foolish. (laughs) 
I think it's great that you're willing to uh, to show that to your audience. Will you be bringing um, Mind Fuck Soul Star back anytime? <laughs> um, I, I don't have any immediate plans to do so. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised sitting here talking to you that I, I actually remember some of the movements and gestures that I created for that show, um, which is nice to bring back, but I don't have any immediate plans. That's too bad. I'd like to see it. Um, how long did it take you to create the whole show? I'm well, it took a lot of thinking. Like, like I do a lot of thinking to make sure that the characters are clear in my mm-hmm. head. Um, that took the longest. And once I get that down, once I get the story down in my head, it doesn't take long. Okay. It doesn't take long to, to so create. So it's the sussing it out first. Yes, exactly. Do you have another story in you that you want to work on? N- no. What I want to <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What I want to do is have a story already out there that I can take on as a one-man show. Great. Um, uh, because I, I think ultimately, ultimately what I think I discovered is that doing a one-man show about yourself is not very appealing to other people. Because they don't know I who think. the hell I am. Yeah. If you're famous, then it's different. But if you're not, then people don't really care. I think it's really great to take on uh, some existing character, that, but that maybe we don't know that much about. Exactly. That's what I would love to do. Yeah, I've been looking for one of those, too. Yeah. Well, you've probably been looking harder than I have, because I haven't been looking. I've just been wanting to look. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, I haven't been looking all that damn hard, okay. but I need to We're be. about neck and neck. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, we'll have to open across the street from one another. Um, I have uh, noticed that your show is quite interactive and that, well, people are allowed to phone it in. Now, traditionally, phoning it in is a term that um, actors tend to use for giving a performance that's lackluster or, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. But on the Cool as Hell theater show, uh, it has a whole new meeting, and that means you can call in, and if you see a show that you like, you can call in and you can review it. Or if you unfortunately see someone phoning it in, you can call and report that too. So (laughs) tell us the number and how we can get involved and why you started this. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, uh, for, <laughs> you're catching on, Diana. I'm learning. Like it. Um, the phone number is uh, 415-354-1099. That uh, is a in line where I, I guess the idea came from like sites like Amazon or something where you can leave a review um, about a product, a book, whatever it may sure. be. And so um, one of the things about theater, as you all know, is everybody's a critic. But the only critics who get heard are the critics at the newspapers. Um, So I wanted a venue where people who 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 saw a show and had some strong thoughts could call in and leave a podcast review. They can also leave a written review that I would post up on the blog. But since I run a podcast, I wanted it to be verbal so that people can hear this person and the person who calls in, you know, gets some recognition um, hearing themselves on the air. Uh, But it's a vehicle for people so that there are more reviewers out there so that everybody doesn't have to depend on the Chronicle or the Argus or, or, you know, whatever. The arbiters of taste, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, and so that that was the reason behind creating the the reviewer. The do you have a reviewer. favorite that people have phoned in? Do you have one that you people don't out do for it you? often? Ah, well, I found the number again, and that, so I'm going to repeat it. The number is four one five three five four zero five eight nine. Oh, that's my second number. Oh, I got it off your website. Yeah, no, absolutely. So either of those numbers will do. And you ask them to call from a landline, is that correct? Cell phone connections are crappy. Yeah. They just sound awful. So yeah, I ask them to use a landline. So call in, call it in, phone it in. 
to the Cool as Hell Theater Show. Michael, it has been more than a treat to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. And who is the one person out there that you hope to interview someday that you have not yet had the pleasure? Oh, my God. If he could interview himself, he would, but he can't. If I interviewed myself, people would never listen. <laughs> Hardly. Um, That's a good question. Well, Michael, we're just going to have to have you back. <laughs> Hopefully by then I will have thought of the answer. <laughs> I don't know. It but has been you. awesome having you here, you, and we will you. definitely tune in. Uh, flip the URL so we can all find you. If you are if you are pink to cool as hell, you are pink no longer. Uh, Coolashelltheater.com. It's as simple as that. Cool. How can you forget that name? I don't know people. Now, do. is that R-E or E-R? It doesn't matter. <gasps> you can do both. Yes. Now, that is cool as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the studio interviews. I am your host, Diana Brown. Joining us today, of course, Michael Rice of the Cool as Hell Theater Show. And, of course, as always, Dan Wilson, engineering. For a ginger, he's not bad. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>